Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Chris Sargent is the building manager of Whitehorse Towers, Melbourne's tallest residential complex outside of the central CBD. With 514 apartments, 100 hotel rooms, three restaurants and a handful of small commercial tenancies, Whitehorse is a major landmark in Box Hill. Chris's background is primarily in building, construction and real estate. However, the last four years have seen him transition into facility building management. He now describes himself as being in his sweet spot and is living the dream. Outside of his role, Chris is a happily married father of four amazing young adults and is working towards competing his first Ironman in late 2020. Today, I am delighted to welcome Chris Sargent. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Amanda. It's been a uh, a delight to prepare for this. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I've used your resources just without shame. (laughs) It's been fantastic, uh, your generosity and how you've put um, all these resources out there for all of us that are working in the Strata community. And uh, so I just want to say from the outset, uh, thank you. It's just been a a godsend. So thanks. And if I can help uh, some of your listeners today with some insights from what it's like to be a building manager, happy to do so. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I'm very glad that you are part of our tribe, our Your Strata Property tribe, and it's wonderful to have you here with us today. And that is indeed what we're talking about, building management. What is it all about? What are the great building managers doing? And you've had some very interesting experiences as a building manager, which we're going to get into. But I'm going to start by asking you, Chris, give us one misconception that strata residents have about building managers and can you clear up that misconception for us? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty simple one. Building managers look after common areas only. We don't look after what happens inside the apartment. So if your oven's on the blink, it's not in our scope to come in and do that. Now, we can point people in the right direction, but generally our role is to manage and take care of the common areas. Mm. And that's, I guess, my, a lot of my inquiries are about uh, can you come and fix my air conditioner or my window winder's broken? And so there's a lot of internal requests that come my way. So, Is there ever confusion about that? I mean, I know in my experience, sometimes it's not clear where the line is between what is part of the common property and the responsibility of the building and what is part of the lot and the responsibility of the owner. Have you found in your experience, sometimes that's a tricky question or where you are at the moment at Whitehorse Towers, is that pretty straightforward? No, look, sometimes it just needs explaining to people. There's some people that are moving into strata for the first time. And uh, an example might be the fire doors. Mm. So we have the front face of the, their apartment door that needs to be inspected. Uh, it's classified as common property. And how can you come in into my apartment? 
to examine it. Um, <laughs> so there's that kind of sort of grey area, but I think by and by as you explain it to people and that it's for their benefit and for their safety, they're, they're usually okay with uh, you doing those kind of things. Mm. In the OC meetings, um, when we have the general ones, a lot of questions do come up about uh, if there's multiple OCs in the strata development, uh, who's paying for what? And so you can really give your, your residents clear guidance on on boundaries and responsibilities at that point. Mm. You've just hit on something really key there, Chris, and that's about explaining to residents, whether it's in the context of them ringing you with a problem or you're sitting there in a meeting, explaining where the responsibilities lie. And if they're new to Strata, this is not something they've experienced before. That can be really complicated and it may not be intuitive, but having those open lines of communication, it is something I talk about, I feel constantly on the podcast, how important and helpful good communication is. And it's interesting to hear from the building manager's perspective, that is just as important as it is from a Strata manager's perspective or a committee, being able to answer those questions clearly and accurately for owners. Yeah. One of, one of the great things, Amanda, with a new building and was very excited to, to be offered this role was to set it from the ground up. Now, I was probably a, a little bit late coming in four months after it had opened up, but uh, the implementation of uh, building management software, we run MyBoss here, and that has a community portal focus to it. And so there's the ability for the building manager to put all the documents pertaining to the building in that portal for the resident to then look at look up so all manuals for everything that's ever installed in their in their apartment including the warranties and uh, plan of subdivision everything's in there for the person to, to have a look and see well okay this is the doc I'm looking for so it saves me a lot of time too mm. and uh, it, it just means that the information's there for everyone yep uh, it's a great thing excellent gotta love technology when we can be achieving things like yeah. that that's it. Now tell us, Chris, uh, you've been in the job for a few years now. What do you say is the difference between a great building manager and a building manager who's just okay? I would dare to say that um, the way the building manager personally presents themselves in their dress and grooming, mm. it, it's almost we set the minimum standard, you know, uh, as far as if we're presenting ourselves poorly, well, our trades are thinking, oh, he doesn't care. But, you know, if we ordered and we present neat and tidy, hair combed, a little bit of product, um, <laughs> then I think that reflects on, on everyone from your cleaners to your contractors to your residents uh, that you, you care about yourself and their building. I think uh, a good building manager is willing to listen and to be wrong. It's not always right being wrong, <laughs> but it's important. Uh, to to be and to admit when you are wrong. As a relative newcomer to facility management, I've been wrong on more than one occasion <laughs> and, and caused a few problems. But the good thing is that um, I've had I've come clean. I've admitted my mistakes and I've worked to, to fix those areas. And my OC committees have responded to that. So I think that that's a good trait to have. Mm. And being flexible. I've been helping a, a, a guy who's just moved into his first BM role and I describe being a building manager as being a mixture of sheriff, mayor and councillor. In fact, I was going to ask you, you know, cue up the good, the bad and the ugly music because it's, 
it's some, it, it's a little bit like that because you have the uh, the rules and regulations which you've got to police, which people are expecting you to do that, and uh, it's not always easy to do that. There's sensitivities, you have cultural sensitivities, and you get, um, you know, these are people's lives, people's homes, so you get all the issues that are associated with that, and so sometimes you just need to be a counsellor and listen. Mm. Um, I think good building managers somehow manage to to keep all those moving parts moving, and uh, it's it's a challenging role, but yes, it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah, indeed. You've given us there some great tips for building managers, for aspiring building managers, and also for committees and for owners who are looking for a building manager, what to look for and who it's going to be who's going to make your life easier. Because the way I see it as an owner, that's really what I what I want from a building manager, to do those things that I can't do or that I shouldn't be doing or that just won't get done unless somebody else does them and to make my experience of apartment living much smoother and much more enjoyable. So I think all of those things would definitely lead to that result if you have that excellent building manager in place. Now, Chris, I know that you were the building manager at Lacrosse Apartments when the fire happened. Now, if you don't mind sharing a bit about that experience, particularly what you learned as a building manager in that unique situation. Well, it was my my first uh, foray into residential building management. Wow! And uh, yeah, it was a, it was an experience. It was very traumatic seeing people that you see on a regular daily basis have their lives just turned upside down. Mm. the uh, The thing that struck me most about the fire was how much damage water does. Mm. It was just breathtaking the amount of damage that the water caused to the whole facility. What was perplexing, Amanda, and many building managers and many strata owners will, we all have issues with cigarette butts. I've uh, just recently, uh, I think I listened to one of your podcasts on smoking, mm-hmm. stopping smoking uh, in your buildings um, and have been employing some of those um, suggestions within it. But at Lacrosse, which the fire was caused by a cigarette butt, Two weeks preceding the fire, we put notices in the lift with a picture of an inferno saying, don't throw your butts out the window. Mm. Because I'd spend, you know, an hour every week just cleaning butts off uh, off uh, the rooftop. Oh, and uh, sure enough, there it was. And uh, so it was pretty um, horrifying, horrendous. Uh, well, if there was an upside, Amanda, it was that no one got injured, mm. no one got hurt. We had uh, people that required assistance on level eight uh, get out with uh, no trouble. So um, as far as having all the procedures and policies in, and practices under everyone's belt, it worked as it was supposed to, but um, it was a, an accident that could have been avoided, but I'll leave that for uh, the VBA and, and other people to, uh, to make a, their calls on that. And have you found that you have taken any of the learnings, the experience that you had dealing with that emergency into your next role and the role that you're in now with Whitehorse Towers? Is there anything in terms of communications or uh, preparation for disaster or managing that emergency situation that you feel like you're using now in your role? 
I'm far more vigilant on cigarette butts um, and smoking Mm. um, and I take any complaint of uh, smoking or cigarette butts very seriously and uh, and seek to address that same day just because it it does concern me. Now, our cladding here is great, certified, so the risk of fire is very low. But nevertheless, if you're living out in a balcony, you it's reasonable to expect that you're not going to be covered in a hail of ash and cigarette butts. So, you know, I think people need to change some of their habits. So um, we have uh, a lot of Airbnbs here as well. Right. And so, um, you know, it's educating them as well as they they come in about disposing of their uh, butts appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things, I guess, um, is, I guess, communicating to the other team here about, what can happen and how to respond in the case of an emergency. So we, we have drills here. We, uh, we have a lot of uh, hotel staff with our cleaners and the hotel staff as well. We have mm. the restaurants. So just being able to communicate to them firsthand experience. Yep. And it seems to resonate with them that, uh, you know, I'm not kidding here. These are serious things mm. and we need to move calmly and coolly out and uh, and let the five people do their job, and they do a fantastic job too. Now you've mentioned there, Chris, Airbnb, and you, it is a large development there. You've got hotels. Uh, I'm not sure whether the Airbnb is happening in the apartments on a service department basis or how that works. But from your perspective as a building manager, what's the difference when it comes to dealing with those shorter-term tenants and they're coming in, they're turning over quickly, they may not necessarily know how to use the facilities, what all the rules are. How do you manage them differently to, for example, the owner-occupier who's bought in, going to live there for the foreseeable future? What are the issues that crop up with these short-term Airbnb stays? Um, Swipe keys is probably the biggest (laughs) issue. Yep. And parking. I push a lot back onto the agent representing the uh, Airbnb. Now, I I suppose uh, we probably should refer to them as short-stay rental agreements and those providers. So I push back to them a bit because it's not all just Airbnb. Yep. And their responsibility to educate their guests as to the appropriate way to enter the building, exit the building Mm. and what those requirements are. I do charge, if they lose their swipe, I'll charge them for a new one. Sometimes uh, if they can provide no ID, they won't be getting back to wherever it was. They'll have to contact their agent. Mm. We get a some uh, guests will treat the hotel front desk as their own Airbnb front desk. <laughs> the and so they'll right. go there and say, I've got no towels. Can you, can you get some towels? So, yeah, it's... It, Gets a bit funny at times. Um, <laughs> the hotel have been really good about it, but uh, you know it's a challenge. Now I know Chris that you've also worked with buildings, and I'm not sure if um, Whitehorse is still in this situation. But buildings who are in the middle of a defects liability period, so these are brand new builds. Builder is done, and as part of the building contract, there is a period at the end where the builder comes back and fixes defects and problems, big, small usually small, the big ones tend to get ignored. Can you explain to us what is a defects liability period from your perspective as a building manager? What role do you play during that period? 
Yes, yeah, it's a good question, Amanda. It's funny, you know, the builder thinks the building's done, but it, it isn't done. Um, we've been very fortunate here. Uh, the uh, the builder, uh, MaxCon, has been very attentive to uh, all defects that have been put to them. Uh, the defect liability period runs 12 months from when the occupancy permit was issued. I think it was three months prior to the um, liability period coming to an end, we engaged the uh, building surveyor back to mm-hmm. do a complete audit on the building and we were given a list of areas that needed attending to. And so we just chipped away at those things and uh, have got ourselves in a position where all the defects have been attended to or are in the process still of being attended to. But certainly um, it can be challenging at times. It can be, well, that's not my my job or mm. that's that tradesperson. But, you know, I feel for the builder at times if uh, one of their tradespersons has let them down. But uh, at the end of the day, um, the OC are entitled to have things functioning as they ought mm. and be in a work, good working order and if it's not, then it needs to be made good. So, mm. yeah. Now, in a development with 514 apartments, how do you coordinate residents who need to give access to their apartments for the builder to come back and have a look to inspect reported defects? And I imagine that you would have residents who maybe haven't been available to open up their apartment and may complain later, well, I had a problem but nobody came to look at it or I had a problem but I didn't realise it until after. How do you deal with that on the ground? Because that's something that I see clients struggling with, strata managers struggling with, just coordinating that whole process and and in such a huge development, I imagine that's a big job. Yeah, it, it's, it's a huge job and uh, it's, it's almost outside the, the scope of a building manager's role. Mm-hmm. But as I said, one of the, the things with being a good or great building manager is that willingness to, to be flexible, to go out and do those things that are necessary. And uh, it's not going to be forever. And so it uh, just uh, creates goodwill, it creates community. So By and large, I've assisted the builder with coordinating with either the tenants. Now, we have a, uh, of my 514 apartments, I would say maybe 400 of them are leased. Mm -hmm. I have an occupancy here of uh, 95% Chinese. Mm -hmm. Uh, Box Hill is a very Chinese-orientated community. So we have the language issues as well. So we, um, I have use my leasing team at times to uh, communicate to the residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just organise it up. We, we line our jobs up and uh, if the resident is unable to give access to the tradesperson, then uh, we usually seek permission so that we can create access for them. So we use the master keys and that seems to work well because we've got to value the tradesperson's time as well. Mm. And, you know, uh, if there's... Some toilet issues on one, there might be toilet issues on 10. Mm. So let's line them up so it's it's a cost-effective way of uh, 
repairing things. Yeah, and there's a real practical benefit there of having a building manager in place that you can leave your keys or uh, the master key can be used to permit access for trades uh, at any time, whether it's in a defects liability period or whether there's a major works upgrade project going on or there is just a leak coming from one to the other, having somebody on site who you know, who you trust, you're not having to leave things with a neighbour who you might not be comfortable with or stay home from work. Having a building manager like you there, Chris, uh, that's a big bonus, I think. Yeah. Well, a classic example, man, just recently um, a couple of our residents, they went overseas over to England and uh, left their windows open on the 28th floor and uh, the the window arms aren't designed to sustain 80-kilometre-an-hour winds. Yes. And as a result, they broke. And so I've got big sheets of glass awning flapping around and uh, it was quite scary for the residents below Whoa. and above, you know, hearing this banging noise. So having the keys and being able to access it and provide prompt response to it, uh, shut the windows, mm. um, was really uh, critical and I'm glad we had it. Mm. Yep, lucky you were there. Indeed. All right, Chris, I know you are an avid listener to the podcast, so you will be ready for this question. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why? Well, I, I'm wondering whether we could just uh, say something. What episodes of Your Strata Property have hey, had the most love on? it, love but, it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go well, for I'm, it. I'm going to go to – I'll go back to episode 91. 91 was a lawyer from Western Australia who said don't copy and paste the uh, – <laughs> The, the Court of Appeal victory? Yes, that was Mark Atkinson from WA talking about the Sarisa River Supreme Court case yes, there correct. on a short stay bylaw. Yes, correct. And uh, your discussion with Tim Graham yep. in uh, episode 136. I, look, I just love listening to Tim because it boosts my vocabulary. I have to <laughs> listen to him with a dictionary. We all do. Don't worry. We get our dictionaries out when he emails us. So that's Tim Graham, who is uh, a lawyer in Victoria, and he's also the president of the Australian College of Strata Lawyers on episode 136, talking about uh, the black case and discrimination in our buildings, whether we need to upgrade our common property to deal with disabilities. And if we don't, is that discriminatory? So yeah, another one of my favourite episodes. And 142, your question and answer from your uh, was a meeting you had um, where you actually had it, but it was a, it was great. You really hit the nail on the head with with some of the questions and answers. So it was great. Thank you. I think that was my presentation for Veronica Morgan uh, and her company, Good Deeds. That's right. Yep. Yes. Very good. Um, but look, my favourite book that um, I guess has uh, helped turn my life around was uh, A Fortunate Life by A.B. Facey. Okay. Um, that's a book uh, I think that should uh, be read, mandatory reading. Almost a lifetime ago I sold a lot of real estate and at one stage, um, thanks to Neil Genman, I got into the top ten in Australia. I think I sold a lot of real estate. Uh-huh. And apart from Neil Genman, I credit Brian Tracy's book Maximum Achievement as being a, uh, a guidance on how to, to really sell. And uh, Psalms, Proverbs for the Spiritual Growth, mm-hmm. uh, The Fast 800 from Dr Michael Mosley and uh, 
have been whittling away from uh, the kilos. So far, 12 kilos in uh, just a tick over six weeks. So awesome. incredible shrinking man. Nice one. Um, yeah, and a shout-out to uh, Todd Herman and the alter ego effect, Stephen Kotler, the rise of Superman, working and achieving flow state, mm. and grit by Angela Duckworth. Nice. So there's some books for your, your listeners if they're scratching around for something to read. There's some great reads there. Love it. We will make sure that there are links to all of those in the show notes for this episode over at yourstrataproperty.com.au. That's excellent, Chris. You're you're a a nicely rounded man now, even though you are 12 kilos lighter. (laughs) Well-rounded, well-educated and training for this Ironman for next year as well. Goodness, I I think you told me off air you're up at 4 a.m. to be able to fit all that in. Yeah, I get I get up early. I get up early. Um, some days earlier than others, but um, it's a commitment. You know, my kids are now grown up. I have a little bit more time, so uh, time to to rebuild me. So uh, that's what, this is what this year is. Michael Hyatt, best year yet. There's another book. Yes. Um, yep. So yeah, good on you. All right. Well, let our listeners know how they find out more about you, and if there's anything you'd like to add before we wrap up. Well, look, it's just been um, fantastic, Amanda. You're one of my heroes. Um, I think uh, the way you go about presenting uh, your strata property and the podcast and the resources you make available, I know I've mentioned it before, but it's just a fantastic service you offer us all. And you do it all without an invoice. You know, (laughs) not everything has to have an invoice attached to it, and you do that. And so thanks. Um, If people want to hook up with me, I'm on LinkedIn. And uh, they can uh, they can do that. Occasionally, I write articles there. One of my longer term goals to perhaps create a little bit more content like yourself. Um, and uh, building management it's a it's an important part. It's an evolving job, but it's also one of the most exciting places to work. You know, mm-hmm. you're dealing with people, and uh, no two days are ever the same unless you know, you've got major rubbish shit problems but uh, all in all it's a <laughs> it's a wonderful field to be working in so thanks for your time thanks for the invite thank you so much chris thank you for sharing your very actionable practical tips and making sure that we are all very well aware of what makes an excellent building manager and i wish you all the best for continuing in this crazy world that is uh, strata title i think anybody who's involved from any perspective whether it's lawyers or strata managers or even committee members uh, building managers we all have our way of saying you know what this is tough and it is fast moving and it is fast changing but it is very interesting and it is very exciting So uh, that's why I do what I do and uh, look forward to seeing what the future holds for you. Yeah. Okay. Come back in 12 months. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Good on you, Amanda. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?